Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the Colorado XOs. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we uh, there's a couple things I want to get to. Um, real quick though, it's like late at night. I had a lot of work to catch up on, and also had to like get all the way across LA, get rush hour this morning, and get there. All oh, a lot of traveling. A lot of work to do. Have not had a bunch of sleep the last couple days. So this is going to be a little bit shorter podcast, but I had a good idea. So I was thinking, well, we should talk about what we didn't talk about yesterday um, with Dre, which is what Nate and Dimitri had to say during their media availability, like their general availability, not when they talked to me. Um, and so I was thinking like, okay, what are like the big takeaways here? Well, And then I realized... Why not just let you guys listen to that conversation for yourselves? Um, and that way I can get an extra 15 minutes of sleep at the end of this. Um, and then we can kind of dig into it a little bit more tomorrow. Um, so that's going to be later on in the show. Uh, first, though, there were some updates in the realignment stuff. Maybe not huge impacts on the Pac-12, except I guess... Honestly, anything that happens impacts the Pac-12 because there is a chance that they're going to go after, you know, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, whoever. And if they're going somewhere else, that's, uh, that is news for the Pac-12 as well. So we're going to talk about some of those updates that we've gotten um, about this realignment stuff, the Big 12 stuff. Um, and then I'm going to play that audio for you guys. And we'll dig into that a little bit more tomorrow morning when I have had a full night's sleep for the first time in what feels like my life. Um, before we get into all that, though, I want to remind you guys that Olympic Rugby is here, so follow along with DNVR Rugby on Twitter, the podcast. Um, there's a bunch of cool stuff that they do, primarily with the Colorado XOs, uh, the presenting sponsor of this podcast. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is the time, especially now that, um, you know, basketball's over. I mean, you have baseball right now. And if you're like me, you're a Rockies fan, baseball isn't fun in any way right now. Um, there's, like, the potential for them to make a great trade at the deadline or a couple of them. So I guess that's kind of exciting. But then you remember, it's the Rockies, and so nothing fun is going to happen. Um, but, yeah, follow along with all that rugby stuff with those guys. It's a cool thing they've got going and a lot of fun. So... What more could you ask for? Um, I think that's that. So let's dig into some of this uh, realignment news today. 
So I'm going to get the order of these reports wrong, probably. Um, but I'm pretty sure the first thing we heard was that three to five teams, or, or yeah, basically the American Athletic Conference, the AAC, has reached out to three to five Big 12 teams about joining their conference. It's kind of an interesting uh thing to think about because you know there's the power five conferences obviously with the big 12 being one of them the american not one of them but with everything kind of shifting in the college football landscape you could see why the appeal of staying in the big 12 is not what it once was and the reason why is because people cared about that conference because of oklahoma and texas and now they're gone um you look at the american conference and of the group of five conferences the non-power conferences they probably have the best football programs you know you you look at Cincinnati um with Desmond Ritter good last year they'll be good again this year um UCF has gone on the runs that they've gone on you've got Houston you've got South Florida you've got SMU is solid Memphis has put together some good teams um and so they're probably looking at this situation and saying, you know, if the Big 12, let's just say it disappears entirely, well, there's a chance that, and it's probably a 50-50 chance, either it turns into Power 4 instead of Power 5 and still just those same big players at the conference level, or there's a chance that if we pull this off right, people will see us as one of them. Um, So that, I think, was first... But then there was some other news um, that basically the Big 12 is sent a cease and desist to ESPN, which is not the direction I thought the day was going to go. But according to the Big 12 commissioner, ESPN was doing a bunch of stuff behind the scenes with all of this. You know, from I, I it sounds like. I guess what they, what they say they are confident in saying is that ESPN went to those teams um, and basically said, hey, you guys go to the AAC. We'll take care of you guys in the AAC. Now, ESPN has a lot of irons in these fires. Um, one of them, obviously, is that they have the TV rights with the AAC, and... So that helps. The Big 12 rights are split between ESPN and Fox. So there's like another little awkward piece of the puzzle there. But then the Big 12 commissioner also says that he thinks, and they don't have like the proof that they have with the other stuff, but he thinks that ESPN was working behind the scenes on the Texas and Oklahoma thing. And obviously there's a bunch of ESPN SEC ties they're building up that conference, which helps their media rights. But the really interesting piece of this puzzle to me is that there are going to be a bunch of lawsuits between the Big 12 and Oklahoma and Texas. And Oklahoma and Texas want out as fast as they can get out. Whether that means they're able to get out before the 2022 season, who knows? Um, whether it has to be after the 2024 season I think is when the they're technically able to get out but if the Big 12 just completely disappears 
well, then obviously there's nobody to hold Texas and Oklahoma accountable. Um, otherwise, they'd owe a whole bunch of money for breaking these contracts, and who knows how all that's going to shake out. But that's probably, uh, you know, we're, we're saying that the Big 12's claims are true, I guess, or assuming, and that's, I, I, I think it's probably the case, but it is an assumption that we're making. But that would mean that ESPN probably sees this as, well, if we can just dismantle this entire Big 12, get Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC immediately, well, that's going to really, really help us and give us a, a big bump next year when we're broadcasting those games. Also, they probably say, hey, AAC, and this is actually, this was one of the allegations from the Big 12, was that they said, you guys uh, come to the AAC, we'll we'll give you guys, we'll take care of you on the media deal. You know, when 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 this expires, we'll uh, basically we'll make it worth your while. Um, so that's all going on. And then hours later, probably what an hour, two hours ago now, we heard that actually, and this is according to Dennis Dodd of uh, CBS Sports. He was actually out in at media. Everybody was at media day, so I guess that's not really news. Um, but he said that the American Conference actually tried to go and get all eight of the remaining Big 12 members. Because remember, the Big 12 actually has 10 teams. You have Texas and Oklahoma leaving, which leaves eight. Apparently, the American is trying to get all eight of them. What would that do? Well, obviously, that would mean that the Big 12 Conference would just be entirely disbanded, that... You have Texas and Oklahoma free to go to the SEC immediately. Um, would those teams want to leave the Big 12 for the American? There's obviously a, a lot of things in play here. Um, it's all about money. That's what you have to remember is that all this stuff is all about money. And if, first of all, ESPN saying, hey, we'll take care of you guys, there might be some money there. Um it keeps them together. It means that they have homes. You know, Texas Tech, uh, you know, Iowa State, for example, is probably saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to land somewhere. But some of the lower-end schools there, you know, Baylor, they might struggle to figure out what their next move is. And if they start seeing, oh, Kansas is gone, Iowa State's gone, Oklahoma State's gone, that's not a situation they want to be in. So if they can make something like this happen, they're happy. The question, though, is going to be, you know, Kansas. Are they going to try to get into the Big Ten? Is the Big Ten even going to want them? Um, you know, you look at Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, similar questions there. Is this their best option? Maybe not. But I do think that there's some stuff at play here. Um, another piece you know, so the Power Five conferences, they're also known as the Autonomy Five conferences, which means that they can kind of make some of their own rules. Um, things like, uh, oh, so when when this first went through, when they were granted this autonomy, um, that was, for example, when they could offer full cost of attendance instead of just paying for tuition on these full-ride scholarships that they give football players and other athletes, they could offer full cost of attendance, which is another whatever, 
10 grand a year for living expenses and all of those things. And at the time, you know, the, the smaller schools, which predominantly are in the smaller conferences, did not want to do that um, because they didn't have the money to do that. And if some of them were doing it, some of the others weren't, they weren't happy. And so the NCAA kept their rules. The, so that's the kind of stuff that comes with being one of those autonomy five conferences, which is basically this power five conferences. Um, Big 12 isn't one, or the Big 12 is one. AAC is not one. So you're losing that piece. But is there a way to turn that into one, potentially? Um, it makes you think, why not just put them all into the AAC? Or, sorry, into the Big 12, all the AAC schools? And I think the answer there is that, you know, it's... The ESPN, first of all, doesn't seem to want that because it makes it... I think they do probably want the Big 12 to just disband and then nobody has to worry about paying anything on their way out. Texas, Oklahoma, you can just make that happen. So that was kind of all the big news today. Um, it's just, I feel like it's going to be every day. We're going to get more and more until everything shakes out. I still believe that, honestly, I think the Pac-12's best move is probably doing nothing. Um, actually... I think let's change that. I think the best move is having some sort of like scheduling alliance with the Big Ten. You know, whether it's you, I think the easy way to do it is they both conferences just say, you know what, we're going from nine game conference schedules to eight game conference schedules. That one new open week, we're going to schedule a, a home and home um, with all these teams against each other. And the numbers don't line up perfectly for that, but I'm sure there's a way to make it work because um, there's, what, 14 teams in the Big Ten, 12 in the Pac-12. It would be easier if you add Texas Tech and Oklahoma, for example, because um, that's 14-14. That lines up and makes that easier. But getting that alliance to fit right probably isn't going to be a big enough reason to, to make a move like that. Um, although there are obviously other perks to adding those schools. Um, the scheduling lines, or you, you, I've also heard it be thrown around that it's two games per team per season. Uh, so if you're Colorado, you might draw, you know, this year it's Michigan and pff, Rutgers, one at home, one on the road, and then the next year it's whoever and whoever. Um, and, you know, it's kind of tough because the schedules have been made so far in advance. To f You can't fit those games in easily. But I would guess that maybe even four years down the road, there's enough open dates that you can figure something out. You know, it, it, it wouldn't be as simple as saying, okay, here's, uh, here's how rotation's going to work. Um, just go like alphabetically, you play these two this year, the next two the next year, the next two the next year, because you need like the open dates to fit at the same times. So the scheduling would be pretty tricky, but I bet there's just enough open dates in general about four years away, five years away, um, that you could piece it together. Um, and who knows, maybe you go one game and do like the nine to eight game switch and say we have one game per year against the Big Ten um, for the first five years, and then after that it's going to kick in to be the full whatever for the final however many years of the deal. So I do think that something like that with the Big Ten is the best move. 
Um, you also hear thrown around that like, what if they just merged? It's the Big Ten West and Big Ten East, or the Big Pack, or whatever they would call it. Um, I don't mind the idea, but to me, that's just such a huge proposition that it first of all just kind of seems unlikely and to wrap your head around how that would work and who it benefits and who it doesn't you know from school to school school that's kind of tough to go through and so I'm not going to go quite that far but I will say that just adding teams from the big 12 are you really helping yourself because it feels like it's an opportunity to add, and it absolutely is. And the Pac-12 is in a great situation to do that if they want to. But are you really increasing the revenue per school when you add Texas Tech or when you add Oklahoma State? And I think that there's a chance you might be, um, and it's probably better odds than not that you are. But they aren't really the game-changing schools. And... That's that's what you really want. And even if there's no way to get those right now, you know, you just look at the Big Ten. And this isn't the same as adding Maryland and Rutgers, but those were a couple schools they added that I bet in hindsight they're all saying, why did we do that? This was not worth it at all to add those schools. And, you know, you look around the Pac-12 and say, those, those two that they could add that I think they're most likely to add, sure, yeah. They're probably above average in terms of what they bring to the conference. But what really moves the needle? I guess it helps with recruiting in Texas. Eh, I don't know. You know, being in markets doesn't really matter all that much anymore. Um, but I've said most of this stuff before. Um, we'll see how it all plays out, though. We'll definitely, obviously, see how it all plays out and follow along. Um, but those are the updates for today um before we get into those interviews want to give a couple of shout outs to a couple of our favorite sponsors uh breckenridge brewery is uh obviously one of our biggest sponsors they've been with us for years now which is crazy i think like three years we've been with them um and it's been probably my favorite partnership because they make really good beer if you guys haven't checked it out yet you absolutely should um, really anything they make is like the best version of that, you know, whether it's the, the Porter or the Stout, they just do it better than anybody else. Um, I, uh, I drink a lot of their beers. Obviously everybody I work with drinks a lot of their beers. It's just good stuff. And if you want to check them out, the best way to do that is to go to the beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery app. And it will tell you where you can go to pick up whatever beer you want to try. So if you're interested in the Strawberry Sky, well, there you go. You can uh, just type Strawberry Sky in with your zip code. And it'll show you on a map all the different places you can go to pick that up. Um, yeah. Again, we really, really love working with them. They, uh, they take care of us. And so we appreciate it when you can take care of them. Also want to... Give a quick shout out to DraftKings Sportsbook, um, my favorite sports book, and now is the time to be in on the action. Sorry, that was a weird way to say that. Um, our best athletes are off in Tokyo competing for gold, 
And DraftKings has a metal-worthy offer just for you guys. Um, if you place any pre-event wager of $1, then you can cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. And I just looked. This is the right read, which they have already done it. So you should be able to just... Yeah, maybe they have to do it again after? I'm... Either way, it doesn't matter because there's more medals on the way. But if you're a new user, you haven't downloaded the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, now's the time to jump in. Put in a dollar. You just have to bet one dollar on literally anything. It can be a long shot to win something. It can be the favorite, whatever. And you'll get $100 in free credits if the Americans win a medal, which is going to happen. Um, it's free money. Some of these promos, like usually they're better odds. Like, you can make more, but it's like 50-50 instead of this, which is just you get the $100 in credits. Um, don't get offers like this very often. Um, it's definitely worth taking advantage of. Again, it's where I do all my betting. Um, it's uh, the, the top-rated sportsbook app in America, so definitely uh, get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the dra- or the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR when you sign up. Turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins a medal. That's code DMVR to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Okay. Uh, yeah, here's, uh, here's what, uh, Nate and Dimitri had to say. So again, this is like media day. Um, they, they're like sat down at a table. Any reporters who are there want to come ask them questions, just go and ask them questions. I, uh, I got a few in there. Basically like I, I had already talked to them. And so I figured if there was like a lull or something, I'd just kind of toss out some questions of my own. Um, but yeah, it was a good time. Some good questions, some great answers. Uh, and here's, here's what they had to say. Oh, and I should say, so the way it works is like they're sitting on a table. You put like your phone on the table with the, with it recording. And so the audio isn't perfect, but, uh, it's the best that I could do with it. And it's not that bad. I don't think, although some of the questions are kind of tough to hear, but, uh, here you go. I think that's just, that's just bringing back to the first question. The team that I've been a part of, because I've been there the longest, is um, you know, we're used to coaching changes, we're used to that kind of adversity, and I think um, this just shows the resilience of the team. And, uh, you know, we have those goals in mind, and right, uh, of course, it does matter who's coaching you and who's training you, but at the end of the day, the players are the ones who want to feel place so uh, I just credit the players and, and the leadership on the team and um, you know those guys who got the opportunity to play and contribute any way they could contribute in the right way um, so I'm excited for what we have what we did last year and what we have coming up this year. And kind of in that same vein, I mean, how, how much did you all as players kind of take that upon yourselves to then, you know, kind of step up and, and set the path, uh, especially after, like, you know, Mel after a year and Coach Mack, you know, transitioning to Coach Durell? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, the leadership had to step up, and I'm one of those leadership guys, one of the captains on the team, and um, one of those people who the teammates had to look up to, and I had to reassure them and, and lead them through the difficult situations, like getting a new coach and all that. And, uh, we would have player meetings all the time and just talk about stuff going on and if anybody had concerns. Um, but the thing about CU, we have a pretty open program. And, you know, the leadership from the top down is, is impressive. And so, you know, although it was a transition, it wasn't too terrible of a transition uh, just because of how they made it so smooth for us. Yeah, I think to add on to that, I think Nate has definitely stepped up as one of our best leaders on the team, and uh, Coach has definitely given me that role to be able to kind of make those decisions and be able to like tell other players, whether it be offense or defense, like what they're doing wrong, what they're doing, what they need to get fixed. Um, yeah, credit credit to him. He's he's doing a, a heck of a job, um, and I think he's definitely brought the competitive nature out of a lot of our uh, teammates um, to make us better as a whole. Hey, what was uh, what kind of a decision to come back you know, for another year? Uh, kind of felt prospect. Uh, sort of yeah, the decision to come back was um, was twofold. Obviously, my injury, you know, obviously the love for CU. Um, I could have gone and taken my chance in the NFL, and um, you know, seeing what happened, what would happen there. But um, you know, building off of last year and even. Uh, being blessed to have the opportunity to come back, you know, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer to come back. And you know, the moment that happened, I could have told you I was coming back to see you. So it's been, it's been, it's been a blessing, and I'm excited. You know, you only have one opportunity to play college football, so uh, I'm excited about having that one last year to play. With everything that you did through, how important is this last year for you? Last year's huge. Um, you know, I've tried to take steps in it in each year that I have played, but um, you know, now having this injury, there's maybe some doubts some people's mine and um, you know some people may forget about the stuff I've done in the past but that's fine this so that's what makes this year so important is that I need to continue to be on that trajectory that I was um, before my injury. Both of you guys talking about how the name image and likeness has impacted your offseason and kind of what you look forward to from that? Yeah it honestly hasn't changed anything um, for me I'm still my main focus is football, making it to that next level, trying to better myself uh, in every aspect of the game. Um, I mean, the name, image, and likeness is kind of just a bonus if you're doing the right thing. Uh, everything's going to come to you. So uh, that's really where my focus is at. Sure, and then NIL, right, you get that attention, you get that, that um, people want to work with you because of what you're doing on the field, right? So it doesn't take away from what you have to do to prepare to perform on the field. Because people want to work with people who are performing on the field. Um, and people may be forgetting that, but yeah, NL is cool stuff, cool opportunity for a lot of people. Um, you know, but especially at CU, we're not going to let it dictate um, what the importance of what we're doing here. You know, we're we're at CU to go to school and play football, so uh, that that goal and that that mindset is still intact. Nate, so. uh, Nate, yeah, you were a local Bay Area guy, but Cal kind of passed over you back in high school. Uh, can you talk a little bit about? You know your experience with Cal during that time, and whether the game this year is going to be a little bit more to you than what it does to another team. Yeah. So um, back when I was getting recruited, though, Cal Cal was going through a coaching change, and um, you know towards the end of my recruiting process, uh, Coach Wilcox and I did have a couple conversations. I actually went on an official visit there. 
Um, so there was interest towards the end. And, um, you know, all credit to him and what he's doing there. He's a great guy. I mean, we still talk about fishing and stuff. So um, I have a great connection with uh, Cal. I grew up watching and going to Cal games. And, um, you know, I'm treating the Cal game just like any other. Their CU opponent and going there to play football against Cal. Dimitri, what has been one of your main main focuses would probably just be being more of that vocal leader. Um, I feel like at this point, um, I'm one of the veterans on the team, um, and we got a lot of young guys in the receiver room, especially. So just kind of coaching those guys up, um, trying to get them to step up because we may need them this season. Um, and then just offense as a whole, trying to be a leader. Uh, our, our quarterback, I'm, I've been here longer than our quarterback. Uh, and then, well, then both of our quarterbacks, really, we got to transfer in. And then the other one's just young. So um, just kind of, kind of trying to get right with them. Um, and then aspects of kind of like where I can improve on my own ability is um, just trying to get more explosive. And we got a new strength coach to, that'll help me do that. Uh, I feel that he um, does a really good job at getting players more explosive um, just with the new strength program that he's um, implemented. And uh, I'm excited to see what kind of, uh, or how, how, how it helped us. How natural was that uh, becoming a leader? How, how natural did that hit you? Um, it, it was pretty natural. I mean, um, I always try to lead by example, but now it's just kind of turning into more of a vocal leadership type of thing um, because a lot of guys on our team, they kind of need to hear what they're doing wrong or what they can improve on. Um, so just, yeah, just speaking up more is kind of where my focus is. What do you find in your leadership style after? Sorry, what did you say? Who do you pattern your leadership style after? Oh, um, that's a good question. I'm, I'm honestly not sure. Um, I kind of say like Julio Jones because I'm kind of like more, um, Trying to show, I'm, I'm gonna try to show you like how to do it, but I'm also gonna coach you up on the sideline by myself. Um, and yeah, I think he does a great job and kind of somebody that I would want to try and be a leader like. So, what do you guys like best about living in the Boulder, Denver area? Uh, for me, I'm an outdoors guy. That was a huge, huge, um, you know, draw to CU. Um, I think CU was just voted for the second year, old, second year row best place to live in the country. So, um, you know, there's, there's something for everybody. We have all walks of life on our team, and you know, they all love Boulder. And I think that's something huge to say. Um, but for me personally, it's the outdoor stuff and be able to get out. And um, you know, if I do need that break from football or a little getaway, I, I do have that option. You guys were four and two. Fishman, Yeah, you guys were four and two last year, but picked fifth in the Pac-12 South. Is that something you're going to go back and talk to your teammates about, or you just kind of ignore it? I mean, the work's going to be the same, right? So you know, we we prep the season the same way, just like the other teams are prepping for the season. Um, and and you know. On paper, we're put fifth, but nothing's final until the game's played. So the game's got to be played. So, um, you know, for sure, some guys can use that as motivation, and, and some teams will use that as motivation. And, um, you know, some teams could get complacent of being ranked first. It, it can go both ways. Um, but as for us, you know, we don't care about what the, what the pre rankings are. It's different each week, and we're just going to get out there and play football.
do you feel like it affects you at all when you feel like you don't get the recognition you feel like you deserve? At the end of the day, we're putting in the same work. So, I mean, we still got the same chip on our shoulder. We've been bottom of ranked bottom of the pack um, since since I've been watching Colorado football. So. Um, yeah, we really just got got to prove some people wrong at this point. It's not really anything we can put into words. It's just got to be actions at this point. So. You, you've uh, especially kind of an outdoor guy. I know it's like the that little thing I got on using your heart. Like, yeah. Have you actually been out to the Serengeti or anything? Like that? So I was actually I was born in I was born in Africa. I was born in Zimbabwe, um, and so yeah, I got I got African animals all over. That's all over. I have Africa on my chest too. Um, yeah, I was born there. I moved here back in 2002, and um, I only became a U.S. citizen I think like two and a half years ago, back when I was a sophomore. Yeah. So, were you fishing out in Africa, South Africa, or are you hunting now in South Africa? Uh, well, my yeah, I was I was four, so I wasn't doing much, but uh, <laughs> family family would do both, hunt and fish for sure. And yeah, I, I kind of picked that up from from my from my parents. You been back to visit at all? I've not been back. My all my family's still there, um, so I'm you know we're the only immediate family we really have in the states. I have some cousins in Arizona, but that's about it. Um, most of my family's still in Africa. Yeah. You know, one of the things the fan base talks a lot about is, you know, you, Colorado goes to the Pac-12 and leaves Nebraska. Now there isn't like a true rival here. In the time that you've been at CU, do you feel like there's been any sort of rivalry that's developed with any of the schools you played against? Um, I would say Utah is a big game every year. Um, end, of the, end of the season, almost every year, cold game. Got to be ready to play, honestly. Uh, Nitty gritty. Um, it's a real physical game, and it's uh, it usually makes or make or break uh, kind of our season. It's been that deciding factor for us to either go to a bowl game or not the past couple of years. So um, I definitely see that as a kind of a rivalry game, and uh, I think Durrell would agree with that. I think it's just turned into a natural rivalry. Um, you know, being in the South and being. Um, priding ourselves on both being physical teams, and I think it's just a hard-nosed game. And um, you know, we both came into the pack late, so it's kind of one of those just natural rivalries. You know. I want to apologize. I'm kind of out here a little late, but uh, how close are you to being 100% for your game? Well, I'm close. <laughs> you'll have to see. You'll have to see once once game one rolls well, around, but. Um, yeah, I'll just let you see once. <laughs> so um, you didn't get to participate in spring ball. Were you able to connect more with your teammates on the coaching level and lead on the sidelines and direct? For sure, I, I learned a lot um, about myself and and about the game. Um, you know, being able to take that step back and and uh, you know be surrounded by the coaches all the time and uh, you know focusing on the bigger picture rather than just being in there and focusing on linebacker. You know, so. Um, Kind of taking that responsibility off me and putting that onto some other guys too. It's great to see some of the other guys step up and lead and be in those positions. Um, but yeah, I, I learned a lot about football. Learned a lot about the scheme. I was able to learn the defense. We have new DC this year, um, so I was able to. Yeah, it's great learning experience throughout the whole whole spring ball. Follow up on that. What's your thoughts on the new defensive coordinator and what makes them different from the last one? Yeah, Coach Wilson's a great guy. Brings a lot of energy. Um, you know. We'll, we'll be a versatile defense. We won't be as 
intricate as we were, um, be pretty simple. Uh, still running great, great defense, great calls, have a bunch of calls, a bunch of checks. Um, but I think he, the way he's going to be running his defense allows um, us to create the opportunity for more depth and have more guys feel comfortable to be playing and um, comfortable with the defense would be being. One more for you. In your absence, have you seen any other linebackers like step up and take control of the unit? Like, no. like we maybe. But he, he led the country like in tackles for a while. Uh, Carson Wells? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, so I came in with Carson, and um, Carson's been a leader, you know, ever since he got here, too. And, um, great player, you know, all Pac-12 caliber guy. Um, always stepped up, and you know he controls the outside linebacker room and helps with the defense line. And another guy I can mention too is Quinn Ferry, who will be playing linebacker, inside linebacker too. Um, he, I saw him step up in the spring, and uh, you know it's cool to see those guys step in the leader position, and um, it makes you feel more confident, right? That now when I come back, I'll have those guys with me too, help me control the defense and lead those guys as well. Hey, Dimitri, coach just a minute ago said, and these are his words exactly, that having played the position, even though he's the head coach, he's a hard-ass wide receivers coach as well. <laughs> What's it like playing for someone who excelled at the position the way he did? Um, honestly, there's nothing like it. I think it's unbeatable to have a head coach that was a receiver coach. Um, you kinda, I kind of get to get a chance to get in the office with him and pick his brain a little bit about what he knows and um, experiences that he's went through or um, tips and tricks to uh, being the best player that I can be and how I can just kind of take what he's told me and spread it down to the younger guys in the receiver room. So, um, yeah, it's definitely cool having a receiver coach as a head coach. Do you think he's hard ass? Uh, yeah. <laughs> if he said he's hard ass, then yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to agree with him. But uh, yeah, he he definitely gets intense. Uh, definitely a really passionate coach about what he does. Um, so yeah, I'd say I'd say that's a good way to describe him. And then Nate, he, when he was talking about you, he said that you're you're not only a leader on the field but off the field as well. But one of the things he's seen is in your absence through the transfer portal, through recruiting, they brought in enough players around you that you don't have to make every tackle, you know, in the game going side to side the way you did last year. What do you see in the development of other players around you? Do you still feel the pressure to be the guy out there? Yeah, and um, I would never call it as pressure to be the guy. You know, it's kind of just a role I stepped in, and it's kind of um, that's how it happened because of the way I play, right? Um, you know, I've always had great supporting cast around me, great D-line, great secondary, um, and that's kind of just hyping more now, um, you know, going through spring ball and seeing what we've got, so it excites me more because um, it allows us to be able to more uh, – do more as a defense and be more versatile. Um, I'm still predicting my same amount of production just because that's the way I play the game. Um, but I'm, I feel like now I'll be able to share more of that with with guys I'm playing around, so Carson Wells and um, you know guys of that caliber too. So um, yeah, I do have a great supporting cast. I've had that in the past, but I think this year you know we'll build something special in defense. We got a lot of returning guys, a lot of experience now on the defense. Where in the past I might have been one of the few guys with that experience. Um, yeah, so it's just all exciting stuff. And uh, we, I have a great group of guys behind me that has built depth too. And uh, you know, teams with great depth always end up performing the best.
Do you pay any attention to the fact that you're on preseason award list? Does it matter to you if being on the Nagurski or anything like that? I mean, it's it's cool, but you know, it's a watch list, right? You could put anybody on the watch list. There's probably 70, 80 other guys on the list. We did, yeah. So <laughs> we put a lot of guys on there. Right. Uh, it's cool, but yeah, I'm not focused on it at all. Thanks, sir. Dimitri, this is for you. With the quarterback situation, um, you know, Sam Neuer transferring and Brandon Lewis and J.T. Stroud like battling out, and there hasn't been named a starter. How do you feel like that quarterback race is shaping up at the fall camp? You know, I think every practice they get better and better um, and kind of learn uh, kind of like what they can do for us. They each have their own kind of abilities that uh, helps out the team in different ways. So um, both fantastic players that can do well for us on the field. Um, and from a leadership standpoint, I feel like they both step up in that category as well. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited to see myself for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, whoever's out there is going to be able to get the job done. So, I want to follow up on that. Um, over the spring, uh, do you feel like the chemistry with them built more with the two, with the wide receivers? And yeah, for sure. I mean, JT coming in as a transfer, I definitely got to know him a little more. Um, and then Brendan, uh, I got to know him a lot last year, but uh, kind of just build off of that and grow off of that um, this year. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for both of them, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Concerning that, you know, with NIL and you know, the, the, the recruiting game has been stepped up a little bit on competition. Coach talked about social media and all that. What would you, as a successful players, tell a potential recruit about a Boulder University? I think Boulder, I think Boulder's just got everything that you need to be successful, right? So, uh, you know, the amount of support I get from Boulder community and even the Denver community and this whole is huge um, and you know the end goal of going to college right is to be successful college and go to lead and uh, for me you know, we're not you know Alabama you know what I'm saying but we have you know I'm still can accomplish my dream of going to see you and I think it's a great school and somewhere I can you know see myself living and, and being a part of this community for a long time. So I think CU's just got so much to offer, um, not only as an athlete, but for academics and just being a, you know, you know, a human being. Um, yeah, kind of building off of what Nate said, um, especially like anybody coming in to see you, I think, uh, I think a lot of people overlook Colorado just because it's not a, a big school, like you said, like in Alabama, any of those SEC schools, but it's definitely somewhere that you could call home and uh, build build off of to be the best player that you can be. I think um, I think being at Colorado, you could still compare yourself to people in the SEC or the ACC and kind of just um, keep growing and keep competing. Uh, because at the end of the day, I see myself competing against those guys uh, when I step across from those Utahs or ASUs or USCs. Um, just because I know at the next level, that's that's the way it's going to have to be. So, um, yeah. I got one for you, Nate. This whole NIL ordeal, do you see this as a game changer for student athletes like yourself? And have you signed anything since this yeah. whole thing kicked in? I for sure see it as a game changer. Uh, game changer in recruiting, game changer in, uh, you know, people being able to provide for themselves and their families. 
uh, you know, small percentage of college athletes end up going to the NFL and getting that opportunity. So, um, you know, with a lot of those college athletes hitting their peak in college, I think it's huge for them to be able to take advantage of that opportunity for themselves um, and use that to, uh, you know, benefit themselves and, and their families. And then as far as signing a deal, yeah, I've signed a deal with DNVR. Um, there's a local company in, in Colorado and, um, you know, our, our contract starts here in a little while, but I'm excited for our partnership for sure. Uh, Dimitri, so you ran track this spring. Uh, those, those first conversations you had with like Chev or Carl, whoever, was that something they were excited about or is that something that you had to kind of convince them to let you do? Um, I would say it took Coach Chev a little more convincing than it did Coach Durrell. Okay. Uh, Coach Durrell was kind of excited about the fact as long as I didn't miss any practices. Mm -hmm. um, and then Coach Chev was kind of more iffy about it uh, just because he wanted me to kind of focus on football knowing that I would have to be a leader of the Rodicea room this year. So, um, but I just see it as a growth kind of situation where I can use that um, to help me with football getting faster um, on or off the field. Um, so, and I, and I think it really helps, so. All right, what events and what were your times? I did, I only ran in two meets, okay. but um, I did the 100 and the four by one. And our four by one team actually got something like the sixth fastest time in school history this year. And that was running against ourselves. Uh, so I wasn't able to go to Pac-12 uh, championships um, and run with them again, uh, just for family reasons. And then. Uh, but the my 100 time was slower than I ran in high school actually, but I still ran 10.8, um, or it was like 10.78. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was I had fun regardless. Probably for two meets. Okay. <laughs> Are you the fastest player on the team? Sorry. Are you the fastest player on the team? Uh, football speed, yes. I mean, we just had a little competition the other day. Uh, or not the other day, but like uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, where it was just races. So I won out with all of those. I'm um, sure MP doesn't like it. You got people like Gonzo, Christian Gonzalez, and Daniel Arias that aren't big fans of hearing that either. But you know, it, it's it's about what you do that day. So I won the day. And, uh, yeah, so I won that right, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you.